church. And so uh, if you have a cell phone or, or an iWatch, or, uh, please check it and make sure that it's off. Would you do that for me, please? Thank you. Habakkuk chapter 2 and verse number 4. Behold, his soul which is lifted up is not right, uh, is not upright in him. Ready? But the just shall live by faith. Romans chapter number 1. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans chapter number 1, New Testament. Help me with all the children, please. This is a very, very important service tonight. I've asked you to pray about it. I've told you about it for weeks now, and I appreciate you being here tonight. Romans chapter number 1, verse number 17. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. Go all the way up and find the book of Galatians. The book of Galatians. The book of Galatians, right after 2 Corinthians. Galatians chapter number 3 and verse number 11. Galatians chapter 3 and verse number 11. But that no man is justified by the law in the sight of God, it is evident. Why? For or because the just shall live by faith. One last place, please. Go forward, four or five books. You'll run right into it. The book of Hebrews. The book of Hebrews, chapter number 10. Hebrews, chapter number 10. When you find that, find and locate verse number 38. Hebrews. Chapter number 10 and verse number 38. Verse number 38 of chapter number 10 of the book of Hebrews. Now the just shall live by faith, but if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. Father, thank you for the Bible. Thank you, dear Lord, and may we pay attention to the repetitive quotes throughout the Bible. Pay extra attention to that. For that is you reiterating a truth that we need to know and pay attention to. Help me tonight to challenge and help your people. This is the people that you have given me to shepherd, to watch over, to help. God, I pray that tonight I will somehow represent you properly in that fashion. Help me to help your people. I thank you for your blessings of life, for all that you have done for me in particular. And I ask you, dear Lord, to help me to help your people. Help us, please, to plow up the fallow ground, that if our hearts are not as tender as they should be, may we even right now say, dear God, I want to hear whatever it is you have to talk to me about. Bless us tonight, and I'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. shine my heart to be 
children, all the children need to be quiet. I want you to listen very carefully to me. In all of our text verses that we read, I want you to notice the same phrase is used over and over again. It says, live by faith. 
I, I'm not loud enough. I, I, I can't hear me. So, something's not right. So you go up there and help me out, okay? Live in these, there you go. That's better. That's better. That's better. What'd you do? He can't hear. He's got earmuffs on. What are you doing there? Live in these verses is a verb. If you know anything about English, a verb is action. So it's not just a belief. The just shall live by faith. That's not just a belief. That is an action. It doesn't mean, it does not mean have lived. It does not mean have believed. It does not mean not I am doing anything wrong. It says the just shall live by faith. I told you, well, we'll get it. I can't deviate too much here. God has given every man light. Every man, saved or lost, God gave every man light, even the lost, enough faith to believe. Turn, if you would, to John, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, chapter number 1, and verse number 9. New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, chapter number 1, and verse number 9. The Bible said that was the true light, talking about Jesus, a capital L, that's a title, a name of someone, which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse number 8, for by grace are you saved through faith. Now the night that I got saved was the grace of God with faith. Where did I get this faith? The Bible gives every man a portion of faith to believe. If not, everyone, we could never be saved. Nobody would ever come to Christ whether we trust him or not because there has to be an initial faith and God gave that to us. So when a person says, I can't be saved, I just can't believe, that's not true. You may have been taught to not believe, but God lights every man that comes into the world so that we can be saved. Now the decision is ours, but the faith is there. God gave it to us. So I'm not talking about, I'm not talking of, do we have the ability to trust God? We do. We do. God started us off with faith to believe. Go to Romans chapter number one. Romans chapter number one. Romans chapter number 1, verse 19 and 20. Romans chapter 1, verse number 19 and 20. If you have a King James Bible, it should read something like this, if I can read it correctly. Chapter 1, verse 19, Because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God hath showed it unto them. For the invisible things from him, from the creation of the world, are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Faith. Faith to believe. We all have it. We've been taught not to believe. Public school system didn't help. People not being saved, teaching the next generation that's not saved what they believe. All of this has contributed to us to where we have a hard time believing God. But it's not God's fault. God gave us enough faith to believe. Now that we trusted God in believing faith, now we must learn how to grow in faith. God gave us the believing faith. Now we need to grow in that faith by continuing to live by faith. Continuing to live by faith. Are you catching on? Continuing to live by faith. God's word speaks of different levels of faith. It's not all the same. 
There are different levels of faith. Little faith is trusting God to provide for everyday needs. That's just about as little faith as it gets. God has already get, he gave us that. Now we need to trust him for our everyday needs, not wants, needs. Go to Luke chapter number 12, Matthew, Mark, Luke chapter number 12. Luke chapter number 12, here we have an example of this very thing. God, Jesus explaining things here. Luke chapter number 12 and verse number 27. Starting at verse 27. Here he's talking about, consider the lilies, how they grow. They toil not, they spin not. And yet I say unto you that Solomon, all his glory was not arrayed as one, like one of these. If then God so clothe the grass which is today in the field and tomorrow cast into the oven, ready, ready, how much more will he clothe ye, what's it say? Oh, you little faith. He's talking specifically about providing for your everyday need, not to the level you may like or dislike, but God said, I will take care of that. God tells us, I will take care of that. You do what I ask you to do. You let me take care of what I told you I'd take care of. Some of the smallest things that God can take care of is food, raiment, and clothing uh, and, and shelter. God can do that. God has always done that. No, he hasn't. Look at your life. We have done that. So what's he talking about here? Believing God and trusting God, what his word says about our absolute needs, little faith. Now, a lot of people have trouble with this. Many are still at this level of trust. There's nothing wrong with it if you're just getting started. Nothing wrong with it at all. But some of us, we've been on the way a few years, and we still, when push comes to shove, we have to provide for us, and we stop trusting God. Oh, ye of little faith. Did not God in his word tell you I would do this for you? Yes, he did. Look, I've never seen a lily with a tractor plowing. I've never seen a flower out there with weed killer making sure nothing, I don't see that. You say, well, who takes care of all that? God does. Are you not worth more than a lily in the field, grass that grows out on a hill somewhere? God said that you certainly are. And so when push comes to shove, we must provide food and clothing and raiment, and we stop obeying God because we think we have to make ends meet. God said, trust him. Then we go to a level called increasing your faith or increased faith. Trust God enough. This is a tough one. Ready? Listen to me. Quiet. Trust God enough to forgive others just because he said. That's a tough one. Go, if you would, please, to Luke chapter number 17. You're almost there. Luke chapter number 17. Jesus is talking about forgiveness. And uh, one of his disciples, Peter, said, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother? By the way, he's talking about in a day. And Peter really thought he was going some, and he said, till seven times. He's talking about the same offense for the same day. That's quite a bit. You stop and think about it. How many times would you forgive somebody? Seven times in one day? You're going, like, nah, there ain't no way, right? Remember what Jesus said? Till seven times seventy. So watch what happens here. Go down to verse number 3, chapter 17. Take heed to yourselves. If thy brother trespass against you, rebuke him. And if he repent, forgive him. And if he trespass against thee seven times in a day 
and seven times in a day turn again to thee, saying, I repent, thou shalt forgive him. Now, wait a minute. That is going to be tough to do. You said, forgive me, and you did it again. You said, forgive me, and you did it again. You said, forgive me, and you did it again. You said, forgive me, and you did it again. Now, how many times are you going to keep this up? Watch what happens. Verse 5, and the, and the apostle, this is the way I feel, the apostle said unto the Lord, increase our faith. All he was doing was talking about forgiving. Do you know why? It goes completely against our nature. When somebody, now as long as we can make excuse, ah, maybe they didn't mean it, or yeah, I, I can see that, we might forgive somebody. But he said seven times in a day, I want you to forgive. If he does this and comes back, and he does this and comes back and does this and repents and says, forgive me, he said, here's what I want you to do. I want you to forgive him. The, 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 the disciples said, oh boy, increase our faith. This is hard to believe. This is hard to trust. Remember, faith is not just belief. A lot of people think, do you trust, uh, do you have faith in God? Oh, yeah, I believe. Do you, do, you, do you trust the Bible? Yeah, I believe the Bible. I'm not asking you if you believe. I'm asking you if you trust God. There's a difference. Uh, we'll talk about what I just preached on Thursday night. So increasing your faith. And then there's such a thing as great faith. God said this a couple of times in the New Testament. We're not going to turn. But in Matthew chapter number 8 and verse number 10 and Matthew 15, 28, two different times, two different times, you're going to find out that no matter what the circumstances may be, what makes sense or not, even if what is needed does not appear right away. There was a woman. She came to the Lord and simply asking, I think it was for her daughter or something to be healed. And Jesus just ignored her altogether. Just ignored her. And then she asked again. The disciples said, go away. Don't bother the master. And that wasn't all. Then she asked the Lord again. He said, look, I didn't come here to give food and the stuff that I have. That's for my children, the children of Israel, not for you. This woman wouldn't take no for an answer. She then turned and said, the scraps that fall from the master's table, even the dogs eat those. Jesus looked and said, I've not seen or heard of such great faith. She wouldn't take no for it. I believe that God can do this. I'm trusting that God will do this. I will do whatever it takes for God to answer what I'm asking him for. Great faith will not be denied. Not going to turn aside because of circumstances or what makes sense, even if it takes a while for it to happen. I know and believe that God can and I will trust him. I'm not making stuff up. I've seen it in the Bible. I've seen the evidence. I've seen the proof of it. Hebrews chapter 11, verse number 1. Now faith is, right, the evidence of things hoped for. Uh, so no, the, the um, what? Yeah, substance. That's, that's the word I was trying to think of. Several reasons why God's blessings stop in a church. Several reasons. Number one, sin in the camp. Now, when I say sin, we all fuss with sin. You always will, as long as you're in this body. The Bible said the flesh and the spirit are contrary one to another so that we cannot do the things that we would, right? So that's always going to be there. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about Achan, who said, I heard what God said. I heard what my leader said. I know what's right and wrong. I'm going to do this anyway. I'm talking about known, given into, I don't care. I'm going to do it anyway type of sin. That kind of sin brought about a defeat for the entire country of Israel, the first one they had in, when they went into the promised land. The first defeat, and God told them ahead of time, listen to me, when you take something that I told you not to take of, 
well, you don't do that by accident. He said, the only way you can take care of this, it has to be taken out. Okay? So what we have here, we're talking about willful. In the book of Proverbs, chapter number 19, verse 13, it uses the word presumptuous sin. That's allowed. I know what's right and wrong. At this point, I don't care. I'm going to do it anyway. That kind of sin will stop God's blessings in your life, in your family, in this church, and look what's happening in America. So number one, sin in the camp, like Achan. Great illustration. Number two, robbing God of tithes and offerings. Robbing God of tithes and offerings. In the book of Malachi, it talks about this. God said, when you begin to tithe or give offerings like I told you, the windows of heaven I'll open. So in other words, they're closed until then. You don't need to open if they're already open. So he tells us here in the book of Malachi, the windows of heaven will be shut because you're disobeying me and, and, and I'm no longer going to rebuke the devourer. You read there chapter number three is what he's talking about. The devourer are those things that get devoured in your life. God said when you tithe and give off like I told you to, I will rebuke the devourer. Well, I'm going to go there and I'm just going to eat up with the end. God said, that. no, you're not. Now, you just back off right now. I don't know who or what that devourer is, but God said, I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes. So this one is sin in the camp. Number two, robbing God of tithes and offerings. And number three, not living by faith. Not living by faith will stop God's blessings in our life. Go to Romans chapter 14. Romans chapter number 14. Romans chapter number 14, look at verse number 23. Romans chapter 14 and verse number 23. Are you there? Now this is talking about another kind of problem, but watch what it says right at the very end. For whatsoever is not of faith is sin. Now we have to go back to Hebrews and remember what faith is. Faith is not just belief. Faith is not just I'm being good. Faith is not just I don't do that. Faith is not just I go to church. That's not what faith is. Faith is believing God whether I can see it or not. God said it. I trust him and I'll just go forward. That's just what that means. James said faith without works is dead. He's not talking about salvation. You're not saved by works. You're saved by faith. Faith is trusting God. God said you turn to Jesus Christ, repent of your sins, and you'll have eternal life. That's faith. I've never seen that. The evidence is all around you. Look at these people. The evidence is right here. We had the evidence of God talking to us about those things. So in verse number 23, whatsoever is not faith is sin. That is whatever is not done by God's word and trusting him to do it and continuing on in it, we're sinning. We're displeasing to God. And I know we live in a day and time where we all want to feel uh, touchy-feely, fuzzy about everything and everybody should make us feel good. There is a stark reality that this generation, your generation, almost refuses to pay attention to. And that is hard times. Tough times. We, we, you keep believing there's a way to get around all this. The Bible said after you suffered a while, make you perfect, strengthen, establish, and settle you. We want to be strengthened. We want to be perfect in the Lord. We want to be established. We want to be settled. But the first step is after you suffered a while. Paul said that I may know him in the fellowship of his suffering. 
there's something about suffering that brings out the best in people if we do not faint and quit. And so this is what God is talking about here. The just shall live by faith. I want you to notice in all of our text verses in Habakkuk, also in Romans and Galatians and Hebrews, the just shall live, not the just have lived, not the just believe, the just shall live by faith. Not just have learned or already have learned, but live by faith. Thursday night, I preached to you, and the title was, Am I Living Pleasing to God? The Bible says without faith, it's impossible to please God. And I told you before, I want to please God, so I need to find out what faith is. And I took all Thursday night going scripture by scripture to try to teach you what that really means. Tonight, I'm going to preach to you this. Am I still living by faith? Understand you're saved. And understand you may actually trust God now for your sustenance and the things of everyday life. I understand that. But I'm asking you now, am I still living for God? Again, not am I doing, I'm not doing anything sinful. That's not what I'm asking. That's not what I'm saying. Not do I do, do all I, am I doing all I'm supposed to do? That's not living by faith. Not do I, I, I do my part like I always have done. That's not what I'm talking about. He said, I'm telling you, am I still, still living? By? I've been saved over 51 years. I knew Christ when I was 20 years old. He introduced himself to me, gave me the faith to believe. It was his grace by faith that I got saved. It's not of works lest any man should boast because we would. And so God said, it's all because of me, even the faith that you have to trust me, I gave you to start with. When was the last time you did something for the cause of Christ that you do not already rhythmically, habitually do? When was the last time you did something for Christ and the cause of Christ that you do not now do habitually, rhythmically? No, no, that's what I do. What are you doing that says, I still trust the Lord? I go to church regularly as God instructs. Okay, so you got that part down. So are you still living by faith? I witness to people about Jesus as God's word instructs. Well, some of you have been doing that for decades. So are you still living by faith? I give tithes and offerings regularly. Just like God's word says, what I'm asking you is not what you have learned to do or what you've always done. Are you still living by faith? So all of this are things that at one time you had to learn. And at that time, you by faith trusted what God said and obeyed him. So you got that part down. No longer do you struggle with it. You do it out of almost habit. You do it rhythmically. You do it just because that's what you were always taught to do. So am I still living by faith? Faith is trusting enough to believe God and obey what as yet I have not seen. Are you still doing that? That's what faith is. Evidence of, uh, see, no, what's, uh, hope for. Evidence of things not seen if you would, as of yet. I haven't seen him. There's nobody in here who's ever seen Christ. But you trusted him. You know why? Because God's word said. And you said, if God said it, I believe that, and then I will do, I will get saved. 
because he told me I need to be born again. Those of you that are saved, you had enough faith to believe that word and you acted upon that. Faith without works is dead. You can believe that all day long. Well, I think a person ought to be saved. I think a person ought to be saved. You know, people ought to be saved. That doesn't make you saved because you believe that. Till you actually do, till you repent of your sin, except Jesus Christ is your personal Savior, you are not saved. And you are not living pleasing to God. So am I still living the way I'm supposed to? The things I now do... Watch this. The things I now do, at one time, I couldn't see the evidence of. But I do now. Do you know why? Because by faith. Faith says, I'm hoping for this, and there's evidence. So as I trust God and obey God and walk forward, as God fulfills his promise, things hoped for, I see the evidence of it. This is why some will never get past the belief stage. You trust you more than you do Jesus Christ. You will never say that. But you do by your works. Most of what most Christians do is what they have already learned and proven to themselves that yes, God can be trusted. We say that. And this has been a part of my life. For 51 years, this has been what I do. For 51 years, I study my Bible. For 51 years, I pray. For 51 years, I go to church. For 51 years, for 51 years, for 51 years, for 50, I have learned, past tense, to do these things because that's what God challenged me with at one time. At one time, I was living by faith. What is faith? Remember, it's not just a belief. It's what God says, and I act upon what God said, trusting him for the evidence and hoping for things I haven't even seen yet, right? Okay, so what's going on here? I have learned to obey God's word. That's why I live and do what I do. That's where many of us are. Why do you go to church? Well, that's what we were taught to do. That's what God's word says. Okay? So you got that part down, right? How many times? Oh, I don't want to get in on all that. So I'm asking you, am I still living by faith? I'm asking you. Example, God took the children of Israel out of Egypt, which is a example of being saved. Remember, they applied the blood and all like that, and God got them out of there. By the way, this is what's trapping a lot of young Christians. As soon as they got saved in Egypt and they applied the blood, God said, you need to get out of this place. Anybody remember what Pharaoh did? He gave them four options. Okay, worship the Lord, but stay here. What's the big deal? Egypt represents the world. Pharaoh represented the devil. And he's trying to tell Moses, even though God said, as soon as these people get saved, when that death angel passed on, you need to get out of here. Because they're not going to let you live the way you're supposed to live as long as you're still in Egypt. And that's what God says in the, in, the, in the New Testament. If you love the world, if you're caught up in the world, the love of Christ isn't in you. There's no way it can be. Yeah, look at churches today. They're getting more and more involved in the world and less and less separated for Jesus Christ. That's why we're losing a lot of this battle. So they headed to the Canaan land, the place of greater blessings. Watch, watch, and greater battles. Blessings and battle. Can was not a picture of heaven. I certainly hope when I get to heaven, I don't have to fight battles. That's not what Canaan is. Canaan was a illustration and a place of higher blessings, greater battles. But man, okay, when, when you, when you, when you, uh, the other day we were talking about boxing, we we're talking about running a race. Look, when there's more competition and, and you have to fight more to win, the greater the victory. Right? Okay, am I, who am I talking to? Anybody? So what happens here is this. 
When they got out of Egypt, what should have taken them, I think, 11 days or two weeks, took them two years. Does anybody remember why? God said, lest they run into the Philistines and they become discouraged. They weren't used to fighting. So God took them south for two years. You know what God was doing? Teaching them to trust him. Teaching them to trust him. So on the night they got saved, it was by the blood. They simply obeyed what God said to do by the blood. Yes, I'll accept Jesus Christ as Savior. They were looking forward to the blood that would be shed by the Lamb. Then God took them out of there. God was teaching them to trust them. As they had need, they asked, God supplied. See, that's that whole thing about supplying for your everyday needs that we just talked about. This is God trying to do this for us. God supplied and they learned to trust him. If they believed God and they obeyed, they saw the blessings of the promise that God said. They saw the blessings as they believed God and trusted him. They got to Jordan and God said, okay, you got a decision to make. You need to decide to go on. Now, by faith, I'm telling you, that land is yours. They've never seen it yet. I'm telling you, it's already yours. Go take it. I gave it to you, God's promise. They haven't ever seen any evidence. They don't know what to hope for, but they did know God. For two years, he kept teaching them and training them. Trust me, every time you needed something, I supplied for you. Every time you faced something you didn't know, I took care of that for you. God is teaching the young Christian, trust me, trust me. Not just believe on me, believe me enough to trust me and watch as the evidence begins to unfold in your life. They got to Jordan and God said, you have to decide to go forward and trust what I said. It's already yours. You're just going to trust me on this one. They could not see this. They couldn't see unknown events that lay ahead of them. The Bible said the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. You say, well, how are you, how are you supposed to go forward on things you can't see? Trust God. God who cannot lie. It's impossible for God to lie. God is simply saying, so you really don't trust me. As long as basically you can figure it out, as long as basically it kind of makes sense to me, as long as basically my banker says it's okay to do that, okay, we might be able to. But when God said it, then just going to have to believe him and trust him. So I do believe him. I do trust him. Okay. Then what are we going to do about it? Faith without works is dead, being alone. They could not see this. But God was not teaching them and training them to trust him by the circumstances. Or what was logically the outcome means it's okay. You ever notice how Christians do that? This fell into place and that fell into place and this fell into place and that circumstance worked out. has to be of God. That's like the teenage girl running around looking for a husband somewhere and she says, oh God, give me a sign. Who am I supposed to marry? She drives by a billboard and says, John Tractor. I think I'm supposed to marry somebody named John. I saw a sign. This is the way we do in our Christianity. I know that sounds silly, but that's what we do. Well, preacher, it's, everything's working out. Like the devil never hands you things in your favor to take you away from God. He does it all the time. God was not teaching and training them to trust him by the circumstances that logically the outcome means it's okay. He was getting them to trust him that the substance of things hoped for, the promised land, Remember, for 400 years, you've been praying about that. I told you a long time ago to Abraham, I have a promised land for you. None of them have ever seen it. 
but they're still hoping. They're still hoping for it. And God brought them right up against there. And the evidence of things not seen, the proof of the deeds and the works not yet seen, let's just trust God. Hope thou in God is what the Bible says. Didn't say hope thou in your banker. Hope thou in what you're able to do. Hope thou if we all get together, we'll pull this off. That's not what, that's not Bible. Have faith in God. But all of the works of God in their lives up until now, all the battles fought, and one up until then. All their needs and the protection that God gave them up until then. Now, by the way, they turned it down. In their disbelief, they said, we can't do this. Now, there'll be some even in here. I'm not, I'm not mocking, I'm not making fun of it, but it's just going to happen. You will not go forward. You won't. Because your logical mind will step in and say, but how come I can't? Why should I? You don't understand. I'm sure God understands why I can't. That's what you won't do. Many people will. That's why I've been praying all day for you. We come to find out here. They go back out, watch, for 40 years they go around in the wilderness. A lot of Christians out there in the wilderness just running around, bumping into things, and losing every battle coming and going. Oh, God is sustaining them. He did the children of Israel too. They still had manna every day for 40 years. They disobeyed God and did not go forward and possess the land that God said, come on, I'll be with you. But this is a decision you're going to have to make to go forward. This is the decision you're going to have to still live by faith. I've been teaching you how to live by faith. Now you've got to make a decision. They couldn't bring themselves to do it. Do you know what they got hung up on? It's not that what God said was not true. Flowing with milk and honey, uh, just like God, God said, oh, man, it's a great place. But let me tell you what God didn't say. Well, the Bible doesn't say I can't drink light beer from Miller, so I guess I can. They didn't make light beer from Miller back then. The goofy things that we come up with. For 40 years, water came every day out of a rock. 40 years. There's a lot of Christians out in the world that keep saying, well, God's still meeting my needs. That's where most of us started after we believe God met our everyday needs. And they've never grown beyond that. And they're still stuck right there. Manna for 40 years, every day, every day, just like God said, every day. Now, please understand, they're missing out on the greater blessings. Because by faith, they would not trust God. They didn't see it. It's the thing they always hoped for. Because they couldn't see evidence of what they're getting ready to do, they wouldn't trust God. Now water from the rock. Now quail every day. Please understand, listen to this very carefully. When what at one time you had to trust God for is now a normal part of your Christian life, I'm no longer trusting God. It's just what I do. It's what I do. It's just what I do. It's just what we do. We learn to give tithes as long, a long, long time ago. I, I do it with almost without thinking. Wonder how many people give without even thinking about it. You write out a check, or you put in money, or you deposit something in the church's name, and you don't even think about it. You know what? It's just what you do. It's just what you've learned to do. Now I'm not saying it's wrong, but we're talking about: Am I still living? By faith. 
I was taught to go to church every time the doors opened up. I, you know, I don't even really pray about it or struggle with it. I just go. Am I still living by faith? I give to missions. We were taught to reach the world, just like the Bible says. I always just set money aside. I don't even think about it anymore. Just something that I've learned to do. Past tense. You're still doing it, but it's just a part of your life now. All of this is right. So what we need to ask ourselves, am I still living by faith? Let me tell you what brought all this about. I was trying to understand the financial situation of our church. I, I, to be honest, I couldn't figure it out. Our missions program is advancing. It really is. We've turned a corner and now things are beginning to change again. Anchor Baptist School is being supplied for and moving forward. No longer a struggle there. Over 25 new men and adults have come to our church, either joined or joined in since January. That's a lot of adults. I'm not talking about bus kids. Soul winning is picking up, and more adults are being discipled now than ever before in our church. Personal one-on-one -on -one discipleship program trying to help them and settle them in the Lord. Great thing to do. Our bookstore provides for itself. Great atmosphere. You, you were here tonight. Trust me, go to another church and you'll sit there and hear, was that a cricket that just made a noise? Did somebody drop a pen? I thought I heard it sound like a bell going off. That's what you do. When you leave here, wash your hands because you won't shake more hands than you know what to do with <laughs> Great atmosphere, unity, crowds are growing, right? Is that right? Is that what is that what we're at? Then I ask you, what's the problem with our budget? I've tried my best to examine this. Honestly, I couldn't figure it out. And so God began to talk to me about long before I talked to you about any of this kind of stuff at all. Ties and offerings are going down. They're not even holding. They're going down. So I examined this, I sought counsel, I tried my best, I prayed about it, I wondered about it, I questioned it, everything I knew how, all I knew, everything I have ever been taught, I tried to examine all over again. I didn't say anything to you. God works through leadership. If a leader is not willing to do what he's preaching to you, by the way, the Bible doesn't say he that preached the gospel should live uh, of the gospel. It says should live the gospel. difference. I examined myself. The just shall live by faith. J.R. Faulkner was the assistant pastor for Dr. Lee Robertson for I think 30, 35 years. When I was in college down there, he made a statement. To this day, I don't know why he made the statement. Listen carefully. He got up one day, I don't know if it was chapel or church time, and he made this statement. I no longer have to live by faith. I thought, excuse me? You're supposed to live by faith. He said, we're not talking about some kid that's trying to make something up. He was with Dr. Lee Robertson down at Tennessee Temple University for like 30, 35 years. Great man of God. And he said, I no longer have to live by faith. Here's what he said. He said, all my bills are paid. My house is paid for. I'll always have a job, always have an office as long as I want it. I have that. 
house is paid for, have a good car, everything's contented. I'm doing okay. I no longer have to live by faith. Now, don't raise your eyebrows. He still went to church. He still paid his tithe. He still did right. He still went forward. Everything he's ever done, he's still doing. But he said, I no longer have to live by faith. Well, decades later, while I was pondering that, you know how things get put in your brain, and later on you go like this. So that's what that meant. Okay, later on I'm listening to Dr. Jack Hiles. Decades later, decades later. Dr. Hiles said this. Put yourself in a position where you have to trust God by faith again. All of a sudden, what Dr. Faulkner said decades ago came forward to meet what Dr. Jack Hiles had to say, and I thought, I got it now. I got it. There are times when you simply become every day. This is what I do. I'm not doing anything wrong. What's wrong with what I'm doing? No, I already do that. I already do that. I'm a pretty good Christian, and I'm not mocking. I, I believe you. But am I still living by faith? Dr. Faulkner was trying to make a point. I don't know what he was doing. I kind of lost me after he made that statement. Was he trying to say, I got to the place where I don't have to keep relying upon God to supply these needs for me? Am I, am I at the place where I no longer have to pray and struggle with God? Am I at that? I don't know what he meant by that. But when brother Dr. Jack Hiles said, put yourself in a position where you must trust God again. Why? Because without faith it's impossible to please God. Amen. You want to live pleasing to God, and yet you're not being challenged with things that are not yet seen anymore. You need to put yourself in a position, God, I still want to trust you. I need to still trust you. I need to live pleasing to you. And if I'm not doing that by faith, I am not living pleasing to God because I'm now still not living by faith. Personal testimony. I hope you don't take all this wrong. If I want to buy something, I can. Please don't misunderstand I do not hesitate. I can go on a trip if I want to. Now, what noise this way? You know my story. You know my past. God has blessed me tremendously, just like he has you. I started off with nothing, no friends, no money, no knowledge, no Bible, nothing. I trusted God. He said it, and I'm looking forward with hope and evidence of things not seen. Ready? Now I look at my life, and here's the evidence. Look at it. Tell me it doesn't work. It works. The reason it doesn't work in some people's lives, you're not working it. You're not trusting God day by day for decades to finally say, look what God did. Now, I could buy somebody something if I want to. If I get into a problem of some kind financially, I can borrow money. <coughs> I go get a car and I go like this. Uh, so uh, are your finances in good shape and, and how's your credit score? Uh, I says, uh, I believe it's still above 800. And yeah, I, I think my credit's okay. Oh, they say, oh, you know how they do. Oh, and so they go, well, you're certainly right. Well, I already knew that. When at one time we couldn't even buy a house, couldn't get a car. Nobody lend us any money. I had to learn to trust God and let him take care of my finances. That doesn't mean I'm not writing checks, God, if you want to pay, you pay. That, not that, that's foolishness. It is God has a system in finances that has to be done that way or you're not trusting God, you're trusting in yourself. 
If I want to do that, I can do that. Because things are going well, and I have means now, I'm not doing anything wrong. Am I still living by faith? Am I? So I put myself in a position, you don't know anything about it, that I have to trust God again. Now that sounds hopeless. No, no, no. no. That, that's great. I put myself, oh, you put yourself back in a position you have to trust God. No, I put myself back in a position where I can live pleasing to God. For without faith, it's impossible to please God. God gave a need that we get an opportunity to take care of. Our budget. Everything else seems to be doing fine. I couldn't figure out the finance thing. What, what is going on here? If there is a willingly known hidden sin in the camp, it will stop the blessings of God. Ananias and Sapphira held back money they promised to God. They were killed just like that. By the way, after they were killed, took it out and buried, the Bible said there's great unity in the church. It's like, okay, we don't want that to happen, so here's my money. It's a New Testament book of Acts. If those who know that they're robbing God of tithes and offerings keep excusing themselves because they have needs, it'll stop the blessings of God. Isn't it amazing? You go like this, but I can't make ends meet. Hold on a second. You talk, God gave me a job. Preacher, you won't believe what happened to me. Oh, I got extra overtime. And then you went out and bought something else. God prospered you more and you didn't handle it right. God has a system of handling your finances. And it has to do with trusting him to do it his way. Tough lesson to learn sometime, but you're going to have to learn that. No longer living by faith is the other problem. The Bible said that just shall live by faith. The Bible says it's impossible to please God. Not living by faith, it's impossible. You can't, you can't please God. If you're not going to believe God and obey him for things you can't even see, it's just because he said it. You cannot please God. Forget it. It's not going to work. Well, I'm trying. I'm sorry. That's not what it said. I believe God has made it obvious to me. Why would God allow everything among his people in this church to show his blessings on it but the finances? First of all, first of all, it's not in here. Do you know the least thing God says I'll prove whether you trust me or not. You don't believe this. You don't believe this. You ready? Money. That's all they talk about is money. No, it's what God talked about. Take it up with him. He said, if you cannot be, you got a wallet? Somebody give me a wallet. I need pizza tonight. Yeah, honey, we ain't getting pizza. God said, if I can't trust you to handle the little bit that I gave you, how in the world am I going to trust you with this? With souls being saved and watching me do great and mighty things thou knowest not. How can I trust you with such great things when I can't trust you with a piece of paper? I cannot trust you. You'll go out and buy something. Just like I said, right now, if I want to go on a trip, I could go right now. If I wanted to borrow money, I could do it right now. They wouldn't say a thing. Oh, yes, sir, that, that's fine with us. You're good to go. I could do that right now. So what is all this about? You have to understand here, giving regularly is biblical. That what I do. Oh, if they fell out, I apologize. If they, you can leave that on the floor. Everything 
giving regularly is something you have already learned, not something you keep learning all the time. Oh, no, honey, did you pay tithe? I think we did. See, you don't even think about it anymore. We just do it. Giving to missions is right. Reaching the world. We can't reach places from here, but we can support other people who can reach places. Look, I got a lady in here that's watching over about 100 or 200 orphans, if not more, and they're needing funds and stuff. This church, we cannot do that yet. What a shame. An opportunity is there, and we can't take advantage of it. Because anything else that comes in, I'll tell you something right now, the whole church go down the drain for I'll use uh, faith promise money again. Not going to do it. You said you did that? I'm paying it back. Not you. I am. This is the part I wanted to share. I wanted to tell you. Recently, somebody gave 20 plus thousand dollars to help our church. has to be paid back with interest. Don't raise your eyebrows. What a privilege was mine to tell God, I still trust you and I will live by faith. Giving your regular tithes and offerings, it's right. It's not robbing you. You're not robbing God. You're doing what's, but you've been taught that. You've been doing it now for quite some time. But giving sacrificially Giving sacrificially. You know when it comes to tithes and offerings in the Old Testament, I'm sorry, when it comes to tithes, God said it used to be called, uh, um, what is it called? Uh, walking under the stick or something like that. What they do, they sheep, cattle, whatever they go, every tenth one belonged to the Lord. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. That was God's. One, two, three, four, five, six, tenth, ten, ten. You got it? Tenth, ten. And so the tenth one, it didn't make any difference what shape they were in what disease they were or how healthy they were, could be your prized sheep. But the tenth one, no matter what it was, belonged to God. However, when it comes to sacrifice, when it comes to you giving an offering, God said, I want your best. I want your best. I deserve your best. I want your best. When it comes, You know why? Tithing is obeying God. Giving offerings is your love for God. It's your love for God. It's obedience, but your love for God. Isn't it wonderful God designed a way where we could show him how much we love him? God's got everything. What what else could we do? Oh, God, I love you. Talk is cheap. You start giving away your money, ask your wife, how you love me, don't you? Right? Giving sacrifice. You remember David's sacrifice? David said this, I will not offer anything to God that does not cost me something. Somebody was going to give him the place to have the offering. Give him the bullet. Give him the wood. Give him everything. Here, David's all free. Take it. David said, uh-uh, not on your life. We're always looking for the easy way out so we don't have to pay. And God said, David said, uh-uh, not me. When I give a sacrifice, it should cost me something. I want God to know I did this in spite of what it cost me. I did it because I love you and you told me to get, and I'm giving this, and that's what he did. Not can I see my way through to be able to help. If we're not careful, we're falling into this pattern. Well, I, I'll look at it. Maybe I, I suppose I could give a little and it not hurt. 
That's not what I'm talking about. If I want a car and I want to go out and borrow $50,000 to do it, I can do that. So why can't you do that for Christ? Well, I can hear that cricket. You hear that cricket? Boy, is it getting quiet in here. See everything. God can supply. Hallelujah. Amen. Okay, we need your money. Well, God can supply whatever's needed. God has never handed me 20 bucks. Never. Bible said, shall men give unto you, pressed down, shaken together, running over, shall men give unto you, shall men, after you've given, I'll make sure you get taken care of. See, sacrifice is that last two mites, and God says, hey, fellas, come here. You see those guys giving to their abundance? Yeah, yeah, they should do that. And there's nothing wrong with that. Don't watch it. But here's what I want you to notice. See that widow woman right there? That doesn't mean she gave two and God said, oh, my goodness, look at that. No, that's all she had. That was her whole living. She gave it all, trusting that God would take care of things. She was still living by faith. Still living by faith. You see, it's, it's, it's the whole thing about all that I have left is a handful of meal. And Elijah said, give it to God. He'll take care of you. See, she hadn't seen that. She had to trust for that because that's what God said. See, it doesn't reason with that. It doesn't logic with that. It doesn't make sense. Preacher, how can I give stuff away and get more in return? I don't know. Ask the farmer who sows a field with seed. He gets a lot more in return. When they were getting ready to build the tabernacle, the Bible said they broke off their bracelets and their earrings and all their gold and gave it. Expensive stuff. Cash you something? You ever cash in a ring to give it to church? How about an heirloom? You know, a keepsake, stuff that belongs here on earth that you're not taking with you, something like that. You ever, no? Have you ever really sacrificed anything? trusting God. Made me nervous, but I liked it. I liked what it taught me. I liked what it showed me. I liked the evidence of trusting God when I look back and go, folks, look what God did. You won't understand this till you do it yourself, and this is what God's trying to teach us. Sacrifice is to show God that we trust him with the stuff he gave us. Showing God we trust him with the stuff he gave us. Isn't that what we say? It's all about God. God did it all. God gave me all this. And we're going to hang on to it. We're just smothering George Washington to death. Sacrifice is meant to cost. That's why it's called a sacrifice. Sacrifice is the best we have for God. Not what I can do without. Not I can see my way through. This is going to be special. I'm trusting God. The just shall live by faith. Our church is financially in trouble. I hate saying that. It embarrasses me to say that. Now everybody all over the neighborhood is watching. I hate to say that. It bothers me to say it. It, I, it embarrasses me to say it. It just does. But for months and months we've been telling you we're not making budget. For months and months we've been, it, it, we put it right over there on the board. 
Now, I will tell you this. Well, I'll get to that in a moment. Right after somebody gave 20-something thousand dollars, the very next week, we were short in our budget over $4,700. The very next week. Now, don't do this. Because what you're doing, okay, so, okay, then what's going on? Tell me. I can tell you because I see the tithing record. I know who's regularly giving and doing all this. I understand that. And most of you are. So what is the problem? What is going on? If we're obeying the Lord and doing what we've always been taught and doing regularly just like we're supposed to, what is the problem? The just shall still. Not the just did. Not the just used to. Not the habit you're in. That's already set. We're good to go. The just shall live by faith. I love the bride of Christ. That's the local church. I love the bride of Christ. I love the pillar and ground of the truth. That's the local church. I love the local church that Jesus, Paul, the apostles, and millions before us gave their very lives to establish all over this world. I love it. I love it that God allowed me to start the Anchor Baptist Church and all the blessings. He said, Preacher, you tell stories of how your heart was broken and what you had to face. All of that was teaching me, trust me. Don't you give up on me. You trust me. You give me your all. You keep walking forward, and I'll show you the evidence. By the way, I didn't die. Felt like it at times. God did not close all the doors. I thought he was at times. But you see, the thing is, my understanding and the circumstances, very hurtful. I didn't like it. Nobody likes to hurt anybody. Okay, I didn't think so. Then what was God doing? God was trying to show me, you've got to keep living by faith. You've got to keep at it because without faith, it's impossible to please me. I would give anything that God has given me, which is everything, for this local church. My decision. By the way, don't feel bad for me. I didn't do it to appease God. I didn't do curry favor. I did it so I could start living by faith again like God said. That's all. That's all it was. If I struggle and or had to die poor because I gave everything I have to God, I'm not sure he'd be upset with me. I don't think he'd go, that was foolish. I don't think he would say that. I believe God has laid right before us the opportunity to live pleasing to him again. I can't tell you, I can't make you do this. Will we start living by faith again? Will we put ourselves in a position of trust again? Will we show God, I have faith in you. I've seen the evidence of what you can do and the things hoped for by trusting you and I will continue to live by faith. Remember, faith is not a belief. Faith is belief to do. God, here, I'll show you. I trust you. I want to live pleasing to you. I'll put myself back in a position of faith. What will each of us do about this financial opportunity God has given to us? 
through this property, which I love to do. Somebody, I don't know, somebody, one of the new people here the other day said, no, we, uh, it might have been Chelsea or Michael. No, we came in the church and walked down that long hallway. Now, to me, I'm like this. Oh, oh, that, okay, yeah. See, we get so used to things. We don't struggle. We don't pray. We don't thank God. We just, it's part of what we do. And God said, okay, faith isn't going to work that way. Now that you have learned this, 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 and this by trusting me, are you still living by faith? You do understand, without faith, it's impossible to please God. So that's what I did. Now there's one thing I need to clear up right after we have prayer. I'm not here to badger. I'm not here to make you feel guilty. I am here to challenge you about an opportunity. School doesn't need help right now. Bookstore doesn't need help. Missions doesn't need help. Though some of you need to start paying your pledge that you told God. I know what I'm going to do. Everything I have is because of God. I came here with nothing. My Christianity started with just me and God, period. Nothing else. But isn't that all I needed? But see, I had to learn to trust that. And God has taught some of you to trust that. Now, if you're not careful, you become very stingy, protective of your stuff. God gave it to you, didn't he? I have a beautiful home, two great cars, nice wife. You know who gave me all that? God. Do you know who built this place? He didn't do it in spite of us. He did it because we trusted him and gave. That building right over here before it ever got started, this church, this little church, pulled together $350,000 before we could even get started. This place, this little place. And bank said, no, you can't do it. We gave to show God we wanted to go forward and we trusted him. So here we are. Everything seems to be working, except meeting budget. I'm going to ask you, are you still living by faith? Still. Not have you, not I trust God. What proof do you have that you're still trusting God? You do things regularly. You do things out of habit. You do things rhythmically. You come and go just like you always do. So where is the still living by faith? I'm not asking you to decide right now what you're going to do about this. I'm asking you to decide if you're going to start walking with God by faith again. That's all I'm asking. Came to me about a week or two ago. By the way, I had to hurry and put that check in there because it bothered me. I made up my mind, and you'll be tempted. This is foolish. How are you going to make ends meet? How are you going to pay that off? How are you going to handle this? Immediately the doubt comes. Faith says, I know I'm doubting, but I'm going to go forward and trust God anyway. He said, that's just foolish. You can call it what you want to. Let's see in a few years just where you're at, where I'm at, what God 